Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's sermon was given by Associate Pastor Reverend Henry Coates. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture readings today are from the Apostle Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 6, verses 1 through 13, and from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Heavenly Father, in God in heaven, be with us this day as we listen to your scripture, that the words will come alive and the Holy Spirit will fill us with a message of hope of your presence with us and your healing and protective powers for each of us. Let us be filled with an inner peace during these difficult times through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Second Corinthians Verse 6, as we work together with God, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. For he says, at an acceptable time, I have listened to you, and on a day of salvation, I have helped you. See, now is an acceptable time. See how now is that day of salvation. We are putting no obstacles in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we have commended ourselves in every way, through great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, in beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, holiness of spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God. With the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, in honor and dishonor, in ill repute and good repute, we are treated as impostors, and yet are true as unknown and yet well-known as dying, and yet see we are all still alive, as punished, and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, and has had nothing, and yet possessing everything. We have spoken frankly to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open to you. There is no restriction in our affections, but only in yours. In return, I speak to you as children. Open wide your hearts also. And from Mark 4, verse 35. And after Jesus had taught a large crowd gathered beside the Sea of Galilee that day, when evening had come, he said to his disciples, Let us go across to the other side. 
And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in a boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care we are perishing? And he woke up, and he rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, again, good morning, everybody. And I'm so glad you're here. You know, when I preached outside two weeks ago, it was so hot that my iPad shut off. Had an emergency heat valve shut off. You know, at the end of my sermon, it's a little bit cooler today, perhaps a little bit more humid, though. But we're going to pray that my iPad doesn't shut off, all right? That we're just going to get through it. I am so glad you are all here today. And we're going to delve into our scripture together. But before we get into it, I want to point something out. Uh, Something remarkable happened uh, this past week. After a unanimous vote in the United States Senate, the House of Representatives voted 415 to 14 to name Juneteenth a national federal holiday. And President Joe Biden signed it into law this past Thursday. So yesterday, June 19th, our country celebrated Juneteenth for the first time nationwide. I believe this is the first federal holiday added to the calendar since 1983. So the first federal calendar added in my lifetime to the calendar. That's a pretty remarkable thing. That doesn't happen all that often. Now, what is Juneteenth? Juneteenth as a holiday remembers, honors, and celebrates the day in 1865 when Major General Gordon Granger arrived with Union troops in Galveston, Texas, and issued an order informing the last enslaved people in Texas that they were free. This came more than two months after the end of the Civil War. And about two and a half years after President Abraham Lincoln, our greatest president, had issued the Emancipation Proclamation freeing slaves in the traitorous Confederacy. Great nations don't ignore their most painful moments, Mr. Biden said. Great nations don't walk away. We come to terms with the mistakes we made. And remembering those moments, we begin to heal and grow stronger. Now, if you know anything about me, I love holidays. I love any excuse to commemorate, to celebrate. I like to party. It's true. I do. I've talked about in the past how my favorite non-religious holidays are holidays which remind me, as an American, of the gifts that we hold in common as citizens of this great republic. Memorial Day is my favorite holiday, soon to be followed by 4th of July. Holidays that ask us to remember, 
to commemorate, to give thanks, and to celebrate. Juneteenth is a celebration of liberation, of freedom, of passing through a great storm that engulfed some of our people while enslaving others. It is a great American thing to celebrate the destruction of slavery in our country, the utter annihilation of slave power and King Cotton, which held our brothers and sisters in chains, requiring a terrible civil war to accomplish. But by God, was it worth it? And so we remember, we celebrate, and that's what Juneteenth is about, remembering where we've come from and celebrating how far we've come, eyes on the prize. Hold on. But here in this church, while we may honor our country and recall its history, we worship God and declare the lordship of Christ. Perhaps, but perhaps, we can make a connection between this first Juneteenth as a federal holiday and the story found in the Gospels of Jesus calming the raging waters. Jesus asks his disciples in our passage from Mark today two direct, seemingly simple questions. Why are you afraid? And have you still no faith? Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? Let's set the stage for these questions and reflect together about why he might have asked such things. Jesus has just calmed a storm that had terrified his disciples, which had led them to cry out to him, Teacher, do you not care if we are perishing? The storm had caught the disciples by surprise. They had set out by Jesus' command to cross to the other side of the lake. They were doing what Jesus had asked them to do when the storm came. Now, it seems a bit of a surprise to me that men who were trained as fishermen, who had seemingly grown up in and around the water and on boats, would be surprised by a sudden lake squall but they were. Perhaps they thought that since Jesus was with them, nothing bad would happen. And Jesus hears his disciples as they cry out, do you not care that we are perishing? He hears them, and he rebukes the wind and the raging waves. Jesus, who rebukes demons as he casts them out, he rebukes and calms the sea. That's interesting. The same word, rebuke, is used when Jesus casts out demons and calms the sea. Now, in the Old Testament, the sea is considered a dominion of evil. It is a place of chaos. It is a place of drowning in the Old Testament in the Old Testament, God is portrayed as the Lord of the sea. He and he alone rules the waves. His power over the demonic sea is a sign of his mastery over monstrous evil. Jesus calms the sea. 
As Jesus rebukes the storm, he is acting as God acts, manifesting his authority over the powers of evil. Is it any surprise, then, that the disciples are amazed at what is happening here? Who is this man? Now, our scripture for today does not just come out and say it, but a truth about who God is, is apparent in our scripture today. This man, Jesus, as remarkable as it may seem, is God. And that confuses disciples. In their fear and apprehension, they can't truly understand who Jesus is. Disciples of Jesus know, deep down, we know that in times of danger and change, the best option is to cry out to Jesus. Disciples are people who have gladly decided to follow Jesus. And we, we here in our church, well, you might be new here. This might be one of your first times. You might be coming back. But I want you to know we here, we are his disciples. We strive to follow after Jesus wherever he may lead us and to make his name known. We have heard the word of God and have received it with joy. Now, if we're honest, we don't always understand that it is God who is in the midst who is with us in the midst of all our storms. Yet we know that he hears us. Despite our fear, despite our confusion, he still hears us. He hears us despite our rocky faith, our questioning faith, our missing faith, or faith that perhaps we don't even know ever existed. Jesus asks us, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith, in verse 40, not to chide us or to scold us, but to remind us that it is in him, in him, Jesus in his fullness, that we turn to when the storms of life come. And friends, you might not think you're in a storm now, but three things are true. You have once been in a storm. You might be in one now, and I'm going to make you a promise today, although it is uncomfortable, in a day to come, you will find yourself in the midst of a storm. Now, I don't know what it might look like, but that is true. In our moments of terror, in our moments of anxiety, the God who stills the storm is with us, and his name is Jesus. No matter what, Jesus is with us, and he saves us. He brings us from death to life. He brings us from the stormy sea to the still water. His is the promise, the reality of the resurrection. When the storms of our life are mighty and the wind and the water are beating us down, Jesus is present. He rebukes the terror. In the same way, he casts out demons. He says, no more. And the storm will go silent. Jesus, the one who calms the sea, is God. 
Now, I want to be clear about something. The fact that Jesus will calm the storm, that doesn't mean that we won't ever be in the midst of a storm. We're not talking about the power of positive thinking here. Life happens, and part of life is stormy situations. The fact that Jesus is with us does not mean, it, it does not mean that we won't be beaten down by wind and rain. Even when Jesus stilled the storm, his disciples still got wet. Their boat was still wind damaged. I am certain of the fact that all of us, everyone who is hearing my voice this morning, all of us have been in storms in our lives, and perhaps we still carry around part of that storm with us. I don't know. Only you and God know the storms that you carry. The fact that Jesus is with us does not mean that the storm will cease when we want it to, how we want it to. Our God is not some God in the machine. Our God is not some magic, wish-fulfilling genie. Our God is the God who did not spare his own son, the agony of the cross, for the sake of humanity. Our God knows a thing about prolonged agony and terror. But our God is also the God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And it is that Jesus, our resurrected Lord, God, and King, who is with us. And so, when you are going through a storm, be it in your family life, in your professional life, in loneliness or emotional strife, existential crisis or conundrum, and perhaps you went through all of those things this past COVID crisis year, I don't know. Or perhaps when you're just having a real hard, frustrating time that you just don't know how you're going to get through. Say to yourself, look, I'm going through a storm right now, but thank God I'm not going through it alone. And take a moment to give thanks. To give thanks to God who has brought you safe thus far and will lead you safely home. Amazing grace. Why do we do this? Because we celebrate that God is with us, come what may. Even in our fear, even in the midst of storms we have stumbled into or are created one way or another, we can cry out to him. And why? Because we know he is with us. This is the truth of the gospel, that when we cry out, we know that our God will hear us and do something about it. What the presence of Jesus means is that our future is in his hands. And so, he, and so we celebrate. He who calms the storm, he controls our destiny. And so we celebrate when we are afraid, when we call out, Master, Master, he hears us and he will rescue us. And so we celebrate. This is the God who heard Israel in his bondage in Egypt and brought them to the promised land. He is the one who did not forsake his son upon the cross, but raised him from the dead. That is who our God is. Although our faith may be rocked by storms, he is and always will be the God of resurrection. 
We recall the storms we have been through and celebrate the one who set us free from wind and rain, raging sea and gale, all who are in peril on whatever metaphorical sea you can perhaps imagine. The God who calms the stormy waters, he is the one who hears us and saves us. And his name is Jesus, the name above all other names. The God who calms the sea is Jesus. Now, I, I want to close with a hymn, but don't worry. I'm not going to end this sermon today singing a song. Now, I could, but I'm not going to. One of my favorite hymns is a patriotic one, used by English-speaking navies around the world. Now, although it is a patriotic hymn, the words are deeply theological. And so let me leave you with these words from Eternal Father, Strong to Save, the, the Navy hymn. And may you hold on to them this day and all your days as God in Jesus holds on to you. O Christ, whose voice the waters heard and hushed their raging at thy word, who walkst on the foaming deep, and calm amidst its rage did sleep. O oh, hear us when we cry to thee, for those in peril on the sea. May it be so. Thanks be to God. Amen.